Podcast of the 21st of April 2022. Happy almost Friday. It's Thursday. It's getting closer, right? It's closer. I am Derek Hunter. I am your host. I appreciate the use of your ears. And thanks for spreading the word, sharing friends with all that good stuff, rating and reviewing on iTunes, all those things that everybody does. It just, just nudge the show along, to be perfectly honest with you. So thank you. For that, and thanks to everybody who goes and uh, just signs up at patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast. You have until um, probably like one o'clock on Sunday to enter to win one of the signed books. This week's contest is between Brad Thor and Dick Cheney, autographed all around. So check that out. Only five bucks a month. It uh, helps me out immeasurably all right i don't want to ramble on too long because i'm going to ramble on too long during the show so let's get on with the show there's there's a lot going on today and i'm sitting here and i just had you know it's one of those things where you're like i know this has started what was i gonna say and i can't remember it's weird i'll remember a quote from high school i'll remember all this garbage from the past and you sit there and you go what, what was i thinking about 30 seconds ago and you go I, it's lost it's lost i have no idea Anyway, welcome to the program. There's a lot of ground to cover, a bunch of stuff going on. Are you, uh, I'm kind of, I've never had a Netflix account. I have Netflix. The wife has had Netflix. But Netflix is losing people. It's hemorrhaging people, apparently. And you look at why, and it's, it's pretty obvious. For a while there, the streaming revolution was a great thing especially for creative people. There's a lot of crap that wasn't being made because the networks that would have made it have these sensibilities and all. You got to check these. It's like the new Academy Award rules where they're like, well, if you don't have enough diversity in your cast or crew, you're not qualified to win an award. What if it's the best? What if it, you know, there's a movie a couple years ago. It might've been Robert Redford's last movie of Robert Redford, like, floating in a lifeboat. I never watched it, but it was just Robert Redford. I don't even know if he spoke at all. But what if what if that was the best movie of the year? I don't know. I'm not saying it was. I'm not saying it wasn't. I'm saying I have no idea. But what if that was the best movie by far that year? I can't imagine there's a lot of crew on a movie about a dude floating in the ocean in a lifeboat alone, right? You probably need... A sound guy, although you catch most of the sound later. You need somebody to hold the camera and a director. Lighting is taken care of by the big ball of fire in the sky. Maybe you need somebody to hold a reflector. I don't know. I don't know. It just it seems like the whole ocean is a reflector that should take care of it. So I can't. I mean, they didn't go like 50 miles out or anything. But still, you go you go 50 feet out. You still don't have to bring craft service and stuff out there. Um, So how would that, what if that was the best movie of two years from now when these new stupid rules go in effect? It theoretically couldn't, the cast certainly wasn't diverse because it's just Robert Redford. I don't know who the director was. I don't know any, but if, if none of them are gay or a minority, 
the best movie would not qualify to be even considered the best movie. And you sit there and you go, that's incredibly stupid. Well, Hollywood is incredibly stupid. And they have these new rules that like ABC News would not produce something like Modern Family now. Why? Because, well, the cast isn't diverse enough. It was wildly successful. I never partic- I never really watched it. My sister loved it. But uh, I never watched it because I just I stopped watching network TV a long time ago for the most part. But the idea that a cast has to be diverse enough for it to be considered to even be made is incredibly stupid because let's say you wanted to make a movie about, I don't know, the 14th century, whoever was king in the 14th century. The Academy used to love that kind of stuff. Oh, it's an old intrigue. Some king somewhere along the line was probably killed and whatever, or killed his wife, whatever. And they're ready to make it. But there probably weren't a lot of non-white people rolling around in those days. So if you're making Oscar makes a lot of these money, well, it used to be the case. I suppose I should say now that's not the case. It used to be that movies were made because they were Oscar bait and either prestige for the studio or they recognize they're going to spend $3 million on this small budget movie. But if it gets nominated, that's probably going to translate to about a million dollars in extra box office. And then it will, if it wins, it'll probably translate to another $5 million. So you'll make money off of it. So you want to make the Oscar bait movies. Now there's no real Oscar bump. Nobody gives a damn if something's nominated for an Oscar. Nobody watches the Oscars anymore. Next year, they'll tune in to see if anybody else gets pimp slapped. But other than that, nobody cares. So the quality of the material is getting worse and worse as there are more outlets. For a while there, there was a lot of pent up. There wasn't enough outlets, right? And so when Netflix started doing original programming and... Amazon started doing original programming and Apple started doing original programming. They're like, this is this is a really good thing that couldn't get made by the networks. Either HBO didn't want to do it and uh, none of the networks wanted to touch it because it kind of needs an adult theme or swearing or whatever it is, whatever the reason was. There was this pent up demand. Well, that pent-up demand is gone now. Now there are more outlets that, uh, than, than we need, quite frankly. Every single cable channel has their own app, and they're all producing their own content, and for five bucks a month, they'll happily send it to you via the internet on demand. Well, that means that now they've got to, whereas Netflix had the pick of the litter, things that the networks wouldn't touch because it wasn't politically correct enough, and things that cable news or the cable networks wouldn't touch because it wasn't, uh, politically correct enough. They could pick out a, a Ted Lasso. They could pick out a Jack Ryan. They could pick out all of these things and go, this one's good. Let's do this one. Now they've got to pick out something. The good stuff, there's a lot of competition for the good stuff. For God's sakes, CBS has its own streaming service. You're a broadcast network. If you're making good TV, why wouldn't you put it on your thing? Well, because for five bucks a month, you can get this. I'm watching, what is it, Paramount, it's part of Paramount. I'm watching uh, Picard. I think I'm two episodes, behind. tomorrow I'll be two episodes behind. But uh, it's a, I, I enjoyed the first season. The second season, I don't know, seems a little lazy. Seems like, the first season was supposed to be like, I read the reviews where they were saying that it was very, very 
Trump about Trump, a slam against Trump. I loved Star Trek The Next Generation anyway. I watched it, and I didn't see it. I suppose if you really sat there desperately trying to read something into it, you could desperately read something into it, but it just seemed like a good story to me. The second season is kind of crap where they're shoehorning in things about ice and border patrol and things like that. And that's a bit annoying, but that happens to everything. That's the problem. Everybody who worked on season one of Picard probably got their own development deal to produce their own TV shows with all the streaming services, since they've likely doubled in the the time that uh, the first season came, since the time the first season came out. And so you're deluded and you're with lesser talent and you're sitting there going, well, we got to do something. Well, I tell you what, I hate immigration. All right, well, let's just make that a theme in here. Let's find a way to shoehorn that in. Left does this all the time. So when you look at the garbage that's out there now compared to the garbage that was out there a year ago, two years ago when the pandemic started, that was the heyday for streaming. Remember, God, remember uh, how everybody went crazy for the the, um, Tiger King? Tiger King. It was all you heard about. Tiger King this, Tiger King that. Oh, Jane or what, what? I can't remember what her name is now. It tells you how impactful it was. But the one woman was a horror. Carol. Carol Baskin was horrible. And Joe Exotic is in jail and blah, blah, blah. And those dramas. Then they tried to make another one and you can never go back. They made a sequel. Or you just can't go back. But that sequel, the continuation or whatever, is what's happening with streaming. They are out of original ideas. They drained the pool. They, well, they're not out of original ideas completely. Conservatives have original ideas, but they won't hire conservatives. Netflix lost 200,000 subscribers last year, or last quarter. 200,000, that's a big, big deal. It's, their stock is down in pre-trading by uh, 25%. See, uh, this is from CNBC. Netflix on Tuesday reported a loss of 200,000 subscribers during the first quarter. Its first decline in paid users in more than a decade and warned of deepening trouble ahead. They also jacked up their rates a lot more. They signed in, I don't know, a couple weeks ago. And they said, we're going to jack up our rates. And I thought, I remember last time they did this. It didn't work out very well. But whatever, whatever. Now that the, frankly, now that the uh, Marvel things have moved to Disney, which we get for free because of our phone plan, now that the Marvel things have moved to Disney Plus, the the Daredevil and Iron Fist, I, I don't know that I have anything on Netflix that I'm like, I absolutely have to see this. I absolutely have to have Netflix. My wife likes it. She's the one paying for it. If she wants it, she can have it. If she cancels it, she can cancel it. But it's... Uh, it's not doing well if you had a heavily Netflixed portfolio. Part of the reason why it is losing so many subscribers might have to do with it. Somebody tweeted this out. I just retweeted it. It's a picture of a Netflix series called He's Expecting. He's Expecting. And there is um, it's an Asian couple. There's a what appears to be an Asian woman. I don't know. God knows. And then there's an Asian man, allegedly. He's got a beard. Obviously not a man. 
with a protruding belly where they're both holding it like, oh, like those stupid photographs you see on Facebook. Like, oh, our baby's coming in June. Okay, great. Congratulations. Cover up. But he's standing there. He's pregnant, the male character. Maybe it's a chick playing a man. Who knows? And it's that sort of stuff that you just find every time you log into Netflix. No matter what you're doing, no matter where you go, you log into Netflix and you look at all the offerings there and you will not see anything that, well, you'll see some things that aren't left-wing in that they're not blatantly left-wing, they're not all about some tranny giving birth. But you won't see anything that is conservative in any way, shape, or form. You log in now. What was it the other day? I'm trying to open Netflix right now. You log in the other day and you just saw Barack Obama's face sitting there going, oh, listen to Barack Obama for two hours or whatever it is. Talk about the national parks. And I'm like, God, can I please do that? Or can I just jump off the roof? Can I do either one of those things? Because I don't want to listen to Barack Obama talk about squat or anything ever under any circumstances. I've heard enough of that guy. I'm done. But you log in and everything is left wing. And this is sort of the problem with conservatives is they need to realize that even if you don't want to be a part of the culture, you find the culture disgusting. And who can blame you if you find the culture disgusting? The culture matters. You don't have to like it. You don't have to engage in it. You don't have to take part in it. But you should absolutely be aware of it. One of the things I absolutely love is documentaries. You go to Netflix and you look and everything is like, it's about some Zeta male, weighs about 100 pounds, never kissed a girl without getting a uh, a written contract and her permission and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, why? Why would anybody watch this? This isn't, this isn't the real world. But you go to documentaries. I love documentaries. They're really good if you, you're doing something else or you're, you're cleaning or something. You leave a documentary on. Let's see, bad vegan animal, blah blah blah. Then you go down surviving death. You go to uh, these food documentaries. <sighs> One hundred humans. There's a picture of an old man sniffing a young man. I don't know what the hell's going on there. The pleasure, the principles of pleasure. I'm looking at Netflix right now, and you get into these things, and every almost every single one of them has something to do with a left-wing agenda. There's either a trans character, gay character. um, Climate change is a big thing. Leonardo DiCaprio nominates how we're all destroying the Earth, and he does it from a soundproof box inside his private jet as he whisks off to the Mediterranean with a uh, plane full of Victoria's Secret models. Oh, okay. There you go. Congratulations. But the entirety of this is, oh, your food's killing you. Here's why you should go vegan. Here's why you should do this. Here's why you should do that. And you sit there and you think if you're a normal American, you don't even have to be conservative, but if you're a normal American, how many dams can you possibly give about how, you know, love on the spectrum, meat eater, how many dams can you give about why you should go vegan? You can't. You can't give that many. Are you going to be excited? Is anybody excited about watching He's Expecting? There's four, five words, four little taglines underneath it, four little bullet points to get the audience excited. 
First of all, do you, do you think there's a large audience for people who want to see a, a pregnant woman pretending to be a dude? No, I don't think there's maybe 15 people who are like, finally, finally. But it says intimate, emotional, drama, social issues. Like, who the hell? Well, there you go. That's a great when a successful ad executive who's got it all figured out, uh, uh, got it all figured out, becomes pregnant. He's forced to confront social inequities he'd never considered before. I'm going to read that again because this this is why your Netflix stock is tanking today. When a successful ad executive who's got it all figured out becomes pregnant. He's forced to confront social issues, uh, social inequities he'd never considered before. He's also forced to consider the fact that his urethra is going to absolutely explode. That childbirth is not something you want to see. Gee, I can't imagine why nobody's watching Netflix anymore, can you? And I tell you, 200,000 people canceling their subscription is one thing. There's probably another half a million people who haven't watched it in a long time. Most of these subscription services have a, a business model, much like a gym, where they just go, well, you just give us a credit card and we'll charge it every month so you don't have to pay every month. It'll be really super convenient for you. Realistically, they're hoping to God that you go off and forget it. You forget that you're paying. You forget that you've got money in this thing so that they can charge you and then they don't have to clean up after you at all. And you can do that, and people will have gym memberships for years up until their credit card expires because they don't pay attention to such things. 200,000 people paid attention. Probably another half million haven't yet. They likely will. And it couldn't happen to a nicer group of people. So I'm looking at social media now, and I see... uh, I don't know who this person is. I had to look him up. Somebody called Jordan Klepper. Have you ever heard of anybody called Jordan Klepper? He's a Daily Show contributor. So that tells you. The Daily Show was wildly unpopular when Jon Stewart was the host, and now that, uh, what's his face, whoever the other guy is, um, is the host. What is that guy? I don't know. He, uh, it's even less popular. But a new special, according, he was on CBS's this morning show, talking to Gail King, right? Jordan Klepper. And uh, it says, under his name, Jordan Klepper, live. He's getting, whoever Jordan Klepper is, he's getting the full super celebrity treatment on the CBS Morning Show because you got Gail King, Oprah's friend. It's really your only accomplishment. She might as well get that tattooed on her neck. And then whoever the other two hosts are. I don't know who the other two hosts are. I've never, I've, I've seen them before. I've never bothered to... Uh, <laughs> look at them and say, hey, that person is a journalist or whatever. I never thought it was worth knowing their names. But they're giving them the the three-anchor interview, which is usually reserved for, at least I thought it was, for somebody who was, you know, people should know. So whatever they think of Jordan Klepper, it, it must be high. And they're sitting there, and Gail King, he just did something about Hungary. Because across the bottom it says, New special examines Americans con- American conservatives' fascination with Hungary. I didn't, I wasn't aware that there was a fascination with Hungary necessarily. But whatever. I know that Tucker went over there and interviewed uh, the president of Hungary. 
But I didn't realize that there was this massive fascination with Hungary. I don't spend any time thinking about Hungary. I highly doubt you spend a lot of time thinking about Hungary. But because Tucker went over there and did a couple of interviews, that must mean that the left has to attack it. That's the way it works. So they sent over a comedian. God forbid. Why would they send over a comedian? Why would they send over this guy from The Daily Show that I assume most people have never heard of? Well, uh, let's see. YouTube, YouTube, YouTube. In their discussion, Gail King and Jordan Klepper, Gail King brings up the fact that she went over, they went over there to try and attack conservatives. And it turns out that the people over there are interested in American politics. And that does not please Gail King. They have more curiosity, for example, about Hunter Biden's laptop than the average nut job leftist lunatic journalist, quote unquote, does. Listen to this exchange. It's it's kind of funny because they're both upset that they weren't getting what they wanted. People wanted to know about things that they don't want people to know about. Surprised to see that people there say that uh, Joe Biden is fake, that his presidency is not legit. Somebody even brought up Hunter Biden's laptop. I was so I was blown away by that. Yeah, that was I, a topic I, of conversation in Hungary. I thought I was escaping those conversations for a mere 10 days. But when we land there, March 15th, they have a giant event. And I was shocked. I, I thought we were going to talk about what was happening in Ukraine, which yes. is literally next door to Hungary. Hunter Biden's laptop came out of their mouth. So it felt like I hadn't gone very far. Well, I thought I was going to do that. And then it was, I, uh, Hunter Biden's laptop came. These, these ignorant SOBs asked about things I don't want them asking about. Gail, get Oprah over there. She can control everything. Get the Oprah to threaten them. Sorry it upset your narrative there, Jordan. I just looked it up to find figure out who the hell this is. Let's see. Uh, Huffington Post, their headline, Jordan Klepper spotlights far-right leaders who share Trump's, quote, butthurt mentality. Wow. What a... What a pathetic group of people they are. Oh, they're so irrelevant, they can't stop talking about us. American conservatives have a new infatuation with a country that's not the U.S., so Jordan Klepper visited Hungary to figure out why. Again, I asked, were you aware of this? Yeah, they just had an election over there, I believe, but so what? I didn't realize that it was an obsession. The Daily Show comedian, eh, at some point, you'd, to get that title, you should have to demonstrate that you're funny. The Daily Show comedian observed at the CPAC convention in Florida earlier this year that many of former President Donald Trump supporters have also become big fans of Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban, a far-right leader adored by Trump while shepherding Hungary's democratic decline. He just won re-election. Democratic decline is meaning the liberal lost. That's what they mean. Uh, speaking to Orban hardliners in the Hungarian capital, Klepper said he felt, quote, right at home hearing the greatest hits he's come to know so well from Trump rallies. Quote, first thing that uh, shocked us when we landed in Budapest, we went to a rally on essentially their Independence Day, Klepper told Huffington Post in an interview, and I was amazed at how quickly I heard about Hunter Biden's laptop. 
about Joe Biden being to blame for the invasion of Ukraine and George Soros as a bad guy. Isn't George Soros Hungarian? Wouldn't these be the people who know him best if they're saying something about him? Maybe you just, instead of dismissing them, listen to them, try and figure it out. You know what they never do? You know what these leftists never, ever do? They never try to disprove anything. They just dismiss it. They don't try to discredit. They just try to dismiss. And that's it. The Libs of TikTok account, the attacks on Libs of TikTok, is a prime example of this. This person did nothing but expose the words that these people were posting publicly by themselves. They did it all by themselves. Nobody was forcing them. Nobody, they didn't put it in a separate account and they pretended to be somebody else and somebody friended them and then betrayed that friendship. No, no, they put it out there for the world to see, wanting the world to see. And then suddenly the world started seeing and oh my goodness, all things went to hell and they freaked out. And so the person who did that needs to be destroyed by the left. That's the mentality of these people. There's uh, something called the Serfs. They are a left-wing activist group that puts out YouTube videos. They are amongst the pylons on the libs of TikTok account. They tweeted this morning, since there seems to be a lot of confusion about the libs of TikTok saga, including from people on the left who are buying into the lie that it's just a site that posts videos and it's the LGBTQ plus that are making themselves look bad. Here's a thread with all the receipts. And this person goes through and posts all these various screen captures of different libs of TikTok tweets. The difference is posting screen captures of videos don't really tell you what's in the videos, right? The account would frequently take videos of teachers either discussing how they're trans or gay or explaining why they're scared of anti-LGBTQ plus laws or how it affects their classroom environment. Then libs of TikTok would state that they're pedophiles or grooming children. And there's various tweets. You know, I've seen some of these videos. They are parents, they are teachers, usually childless. So it's weird about this. Is there so many childless, childless leftist teachers out there who are gay or trans or whatever is going to be the next trendy thing who talk about, these are my kids, my kids. Uh, they're my kids for eight hours a day. All right, well, pay one-third of their expenses. Huh? You want to do that? Pay one-third of the expenses. What? No, 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 no. But these videos, I've seen them. They are. They're not going, I'm gay and I'm just scared. No, they're going, I'm gay, and I tell my kids I'm gay. We play pronoun games, and I make them take different pronouns, and I tell them. There are teachers out there who publicly brag, I tell these kids they can be any gender they want to be on any given day. Boy, howdy, you could wake up a boy and by lunchtime be a girl, and that's perfectly normal. That's what you're telling kindergartners, and you wonder why it is the numbers are going through the roof. It's because these kids are being inundated with this crap from these miserable leftists who are trying to find some way to justify their horrible lives. Or I assume they're miserable people. And instead of dealing with why they're miserable people, they've decided to make everybody else miserable. Oh, a sinking tide crashes all boats. But this is the mentality of the left. 
If you're not one of us, you must be destroyed. And if you do just simply show the world what they're, uh, what we're saying, you shall be punished. A talking point went out, by the way. Uh, Ebeth, Ebeth360 on Twitter tweeted this out. And it's a it's good observation. You always find these things when they're leftists. What do you remember back in 2000? George W. Bush picked his vice presidential nominee. It was Richard B. Cheney, right? Dick Cheney. What was the word that suddenly became, I don't know, spittle? It spread like COVID throughout the media. It was gravitas. Remember that? Gravitas. Oh, he needed to pick somebody who would bring some gravitas to the ticket. Gravitas, gravitas, gra- Suddenly, every reporter, every written reporter, every television reporter, every commentator on cable news, on left-wing channels, was talking about gravitas. Gravitas, gravitas, gravitas. And suddenly, you go, how the hell? You hadn't heard that word before probably three times in your life. Now, suddenly, these people can't shut up about it. What the hell is going on? It is the hive mind, and it is the the lack of originality from these leftists. There is no independent thought. Independent thought is is punished on the left, and they aren't smart. They're lazy. Somebody sends them a memo says, "Yeah, say that uh, Dick Cheney brings gravitas." Like, oh, okay. They probably didn't. I bet you eighty percent of the people talking about gravitas back in two thousand had no idea. If you gave them a thousand dollars to define the word, they wouldn't be able to do it. Now we got the same sort of thing here. These are reporters from the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Daily Beast, Salon. You pick your outlet. See if you take a trend. These are all tweets from various reporters here, linking to the libs of TikTok expose on the Washington Post website. Here's a good piece of old-fashioned shoe leather reporting that examines blah, 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 shoe leather reporting. Another reporter, it's called shoe leather reporting for a reason. Knocking on doors is not harassment. It's shoe leather reporting. Glenn Greenwald, horrified and confused by shoe leather reporting. Hmm. There are actually a whole bunch of tweets in this series of screen captures where these drones all regurgitate exactly what is supposed to be regurgitated. The talking point went out. That's how the left works. That's how the world works on the left. It was so bad, in fact, the blowback by the against the Washington Post that they released a statement near the end of the day yesterday. Let's see, this is a tweet from Christine Karate Kelly. She is Chief Communications Officer of the Washington Post. She lives out in Cupertino, California, or Palo Alto, California, sorry. Why? Because why not? She's rich. Somebody tweeted out her house, I think it was. Or maybe it was the editor's house. It was the editor's house. Three and a half million dollar house out in Palo Alto, California. Because you work for the world's richest man. You you ain't you ain't working for peanuts. You're gonna take hit jobs. You get you get a bonus per scalp of conservative you get. Washington Post statement. Taylor Lorenz is an accomplished and diligent journalist whose reporting methods comport entirely with the Washington Post's professional standards. She showed up at 
at the, the home unannounced of family members of the woman who runs the libs of TikTok account. Showed up trying to get dig up dirt on her. Showed up at their homes. You know, open the door with a shotgun. Let her know what you really think. The woman's name, I won't repeat here. In her management of the libs of TikTok Twitter account and in media interviews has had significant impact on public discourse and her identity has become pub- had become public knowledge on social media. That is a lie. We did not publish or link to any details about her personal life. That is also a lie. The original version of the story, that's a statement from Cameron Barr, senior managing editor from the Washington Post. That is a lie. The original story, they since stealth edited it, they just put it out there for a few hours to make sure that all the right people got what was needed. And then they pulled it down saying, oopsie. They linked to her real estate license, which contains her her private information, including addresses. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't. So the Washington Post in their statement defending themselves preemptively lied. They lied to the public. They lied to their readers. They lied about the subject of their smear campaign because they're awful people. This is exactly how the left operates. Exactly how the left operates. I want to give one another example of how the Washington Post story bastardized reality. I want to read you two quick short paragraphs from it. Tyler Wryn, Wynn, W-R-Y-N-N, a former English teacher in Oklahoma, posted a video telling LGBTQ kids shunned by their parents that Wryn was, quote, proud of them, end quote, and loved them. It was featured on Libs of TikTok last week. Since being featured on the page, Wryn has been barraged with harassment and death threats. Quote, I've always seen myself as the type of teacher to stand up for marginalized voices. How about you be the type of teacher to teach kids? You know, that'd be a novel thing. I see fellow teachers on TikTok speak out for our disenfranchised students, and they're getting the same sort of harassment, too. So what is it that good old Tyler Rin said, actually? Well, I'm not going to play you the audio because he drops, it's an eight-second clip, and he drops an F-bomb in the middle of it, and so most of the clip would just be a bleep. But by the setup, you can already tell that maybe Tyler shouldn't be anywhere near parents or, or kids, and you probably wouldn't want him near your kids. Said, uh, if your parents don't accept you for who you are, F them. I'm your parents now. That's a middle school teacher in Oklahoma, former middle school teacher in Oklahoma. Amongst the, all of his videos, a whole bunch of things were found to be rather disturbing. Rather disturbing, and then he was let go. That is what upset the leftists the most, is, oh my goodness, these poor, sweet, sweet, nourishing, marginalized teachers, these LGBTQ plus WXYZ teachers are being being pushed out of their profession. If you can't talk to your kids, if you can't teach kids without your sex life being into it and you're needing justification and validation, then you shouldn't be anywhere near kids. You shouldn't even be allowed in a mall. How about that? By the way, on uh, the Biden front, the Department of Justice 
has said that they will, well, they're, they're going to appeal, I think. It was announced that they're going to appeal the removal of the mask mandate. They're going to appeal. Why? For show. The CDC is still says, well, they should probably have a mask mandate. For show, they're doing it. What do I mean by they're doing it for show? Well, it's pretty simple. They could immediately seek relief. They could seek an injunction. They could seek a stay of the order. They could have sought this of the order ending the mask mandate. They haven't done that. They've decided not to do that. Which, if the science were clear, as they say it is, they insist that they're only acting in the name of science and nothing more, just in the name of science. They were so, they were blinded by it. She blinded them with science. That, um, that they, they must act and they must appeal us. If it were so important, then they would immediately go, but we need, it's so important. The science is so clear. My God, people are going to die. We have to reinstitute the mask mandate immediately. And they would seek injunctive relief. They would seek to overturn that decision immediately. They have not. They are not. That tells you, my friends, that they are fully aware that they are full of it. But they have to go through the motions. Now, why do they have to go through the motions? The answer is right as, as plain as the nose on your face. They spent two years scaring the hell out of people. They've spent two years demanding obedience from people. If they just let a lower court ruling saying you don't have the constitutional authority or statutory authority to institute this ban, if they just let that stand, they go, oh, well, what are you going to do? Then their base, the very small percentage of the population that they have scared the ever-loving hell out of, will look at this and go, wait a second. I'm triple masking and wearing goggles and binoculars, all this stuff, a spacesuit when I leave the house because of you. And now you're saying it's no big deal, let it go, or some court. You have not determined, the science has not said that it is time to go, that it is time to lift these mask mandates. You have told us we must follow the science. So we must have them, right? Right? Because science is what Democrats say it is. That's too much of their base would have freaked out from this. Too much of their base would have abandoned them. And that's all they have left. That's literally all they have left. So you get Valerie Jarrett, Barack Obama's brain, tweeting out a picture of herself. I don't know if she's in an Uber or a limo. She's rich enough. She's probably sitting in the back of a limo in uh, New York City. She's wearing my, and a picture of herself wearing a mask, by the way. Wearing my mask no matter what eh, non-scientists tell me I can do. Okay, good for you. Make your own decision, though. All right? That's not a problem. Believe me, Valerie Jarrett's face being covered, even partially, makes the world a better place. And the more that they can get of her face covered, the better off the world will be. You just watch these these people virtue signal, these leftists freak out, and you're sitting there going, what is wrong with them? And you realize that it's that some of them believe the hype. For some of them, it's performance art. It's really kind of hilarious. 
Roland Martin, remember, he used to be a contributor on CNN. He couldn't even cut the mustard there anymore. So he's got some daily video show thing on YouTube. He's on a plane yesterday, and he tweets out a picture of himself. He's wearing safety glasses, which don't do... He's, call, he's calling them goggles. They're goggles if you're, you're, I don't know, filing metal. If you're, you know, using machinery that shoots off sparks or wood chips or something, you don't want to get them in your eye, then it's good for that. It's the kind of goggles or glasses, not even goggles, goggles in, in shop class. They're safety glasses. Goggles were the, for the kids who wore glasses, who couldn't wear the safety glasses because they wouldn't be able to see. So you'd put them over the, the regular glasses. And even those wouldn't do any good because they all had holes throughout them. But he's wearing these glasses. He's wearing headphones. He's, and he says, I don't give a damn what some grossly unqualified Donald Trump judge says. I'm double masked and wearing goggles on this Nashville to D.C. flight. I had COVID in December. Y'all can kiss my blah about me not wanting it again. And any fool saying they don't matter is a damn liar. Now, if you're wearing masks the whole time, Roland, how'd you get it in December? How'd you do that? But look, nobody's trying to peel your mask off. What's really pathetic is this is a cry for attention. If you want to wear two masks and goggles, knock yourself out. What's hilarious is the picture of Roland Martin is of Roland Martin sitting there with a Roland Martin unfiltered daily digital show hat on and a Roland Martin unfiltered daily digital show pullover on. He's a walking billboard for himself. He is screaming desperately, please, for the love. I am walking around as though I am in the vacuum of space, but... That makes it difficult to recognize me. So here, let me help you recognize me. I wouldn't be surprised if the back of his pullover fleece is also embroidered with a giant Roland Martin unfiltered daily digital show. I suspect only people who work on the Roland Martin unfiltered daily digital show wear Roland Martin unfiltered daily digital show merchandise. I could be wrong, but uh, I mean, I'm sure it's for sale. But it is not being purchased. It's just hilarious to sit there and go, why in the hell is this paranoia coming out? Is he really paranoid? Is he really paranoid or is this just for show? Because two weeks ago at a concert, a new edition concert, there's a picture of Roland Martin. People find this. This is the thing about this is the thing about narcissism. You always get caught. You always are your worst enemy. You're the one who gets busted. You're the one who gets who outs yourself as a complete fraud. Apparently, he had tweeted out a photo of himself and some woman. I don't know if it's his girlfriend or his daughter or just somebody there. Picture of him and her at a concert in a full venue. And so people in response to this tweet are going, you didn't wear a mask at the New Edition concert. Why'd you do that? Because it's for show. Because it's for sure. the Staples Center air is a lot more stagnant, a lot more stagnant than air on an airplane is. That being said, 
There isn't a single conservative in the world who is telling Roland Martin he can't wear his stupid double masks and goggles. The goggles won't do anything. I don't know. <clears throat> to the people out there, because the, I saw somebody recently, I think at the Grammys, as their arrival, they were wearing one of those salad spitter face things. You've seen these things. They had originally it was the visor thing that comes down over your face and it's clear plastic like you're in flash dance and you're a welder and you're like, oh man, you're gonna put this thing up to to wipe the sweat off your brow and then right back down to get back down to business. Then there are these other people I don't know, I guess so whoever holds the patent on the visor coming down was charging too much for it. So somebody said we can do the same thing from the neck up. And so they invented the one that goes around your neck that shoots up. And that's even dumber than any, yeah, it goes to the top of your head, but it doesn't freaking matter. How stupid do you have to be to think an airborne virus is totally going, they're never going to figure out a way, the air will never figure out a way to get around this visor. If air couldn't get around that visor, if this was an effective, and the same goes for the glasses, the goggles. If if air couldn't get around the visor, you would die, right? If that was ineffective, if the virus can't get you, you would die because air wouldn't be able to get you. You would suffocate. You put on this little visor and then people start going, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. And they'd have to take the visor off going, that thing is far too effective. I, I was afraid I was going to die. Oh, my God. But it doesn't. Because you see these people walking around everywhere. They got no mask. That, the, my favorite is the one with the guy with the spit shield and no mask. Right? So, uh, you're paranoid, but you're not that paranoid. Like Make up your mind. But honestly, do you not understand how water works? Next time you're in a swimming pool or a shower, I guess, but a swimming pool or a deep bathtub would be better. Put on a pair of glasses in the way or put on your visor or put on your your safety goggles or whatever and go underwater if your eyes get wet if your face gets wet it's an ineffective tool for keeping a virus an airborne virus away from you i don't know how to make it any clearer than that you could also be in a room where somebody's smoking a cigar if you hate cigarettes or a blunt if you're super woke. And you can, they can sit there and you put up your little salad spitter and you stay six feet away from them. Hell, you stay 16 feet away from them. And see if you can smell the cigar or the, the weed. If you can... Your chosen spittoon deflector is ineffective. You are just virtue signaling. You're just virtue. Because I thought there was, even the CDC says, gee, howdy, hanging plastic from the ceiling. Probably not very effective. It's actually not effective at all. And in many cases, it makes things worse. The airflow doesn't have a chance to turn over. The concentration of the virus doesn't have a chance to dissipate in a large, because it's kind of trapped in there. And you're still going to get exposed. All this, that, and the other thing. And there's still the party of science, the devotees of science itself, are out there going, I am going to wear a double spittoon. 
I will forever make sure that I never, ever open my eyes again in public. I wear earplugs. I'm so... I wear a scuba suit. Fine. Wear it whatever you want. Hell, Roland Martin will sell you one with his name emblazoned upon it. But don't fool yourself into thinking you're doing anything other than making yourself feel good and or virtue signaling to everybody else about how awesome you think you are. And, of course... Make sure that you don't have pictures of yourself two weeks ago with some hot chick at a concert uh, with no mask in sight in a crowd of people. Yeah, that's kind of an important part, too. But you do you, Roland Martin, unfiltered daily digital show. <laughs> you do you. I uh, There's news on the Biden front as well. Speaking of virtue signaling, as his administration tries to figure out what the hell they're doing. It's amazing how the president of the United States doesn't seem to have a damn clue what the hell he's doing, isn't it? It's weird. I don't know what we're... You, you think he's aware of what's going on in his administration? What are the odds that he's aware of it? Axios keeps getting these scoops because they're a friendly outlet where the Democrats know that they're going to get uncritical good press. And say uh, they report this morning... <clears throat> President Biden's inner circle has been discussing delaying the repeal of Title 42 border restrictions now set to end May 23rd, according to a source with direct knowledge of the internal discussions. The White House is looking for ways to buy time to avoid a massive influx of migrants that would add to an already historic border numbers. They're not migrants. They're illegal aliens. Migrants come in. When there's work and they leave when it's done. They come in when it's harvest season and they leave when harvest season is done. These people ain't leaving. They're not migrants. That includes members of, let's see, blah, blah, blah. That already endangers Democratic incumbents in states that could decide the Senate majority in November. See, when faced with electoral reality, suddenly the Democrats give a damn about our borders. Not because of sovereignty, not because of anything else. It's they, well, they want to open them and they want to wait until after the election because that's who they are. <laughs> Biden officials recognize they're in a jam. Moderate Democrats are pounding on them to delay their repeal. Why would you to delay the repeal, which just means I'm going to punch you in the face next Tuesday. All right. Now I was going to do it today, but I want you to have a good weekend. Next Tuesday, though, you're mine. That'd be kind of ominous, wouldn't it? You're, well, if punching, if punching me in the face is wrong, it'd be wrong to punch you in the face before the weekend. If it's wrong, it's wrong. The timing doesn't matter. But if it's political, then the timing matters wildly. Ted Biden officials recognize they're in a jam. Moderate Democrats are pounding on them to delay the repeal, but doing so would inflame the party's progressive base. The party's progressive base is a small percentage of the party. They are the brown shirts in Nazi Germany before Hitler got sick of them and executed their leader. That's what they are. But right now they, they're useful. And so they're not going to go after their brown shirts. So that includes members of the Congressional Hispanic Caucus who are scheduled to meet with the president next Monday. The Congressional Hispanic Caucus. How's that working out? Democrats are hemorrhaging Hispanic voters because members of the Congressional Hispanic Caucus are demanding that words like Latinx 
BUs or Latin. I don't even know which it is. It's just so damn stupid. In a language that is completely and totally dependent upon gender to be able to communicate things, they're trying to eliminate gender. From, it's so stupid. And people are looking at this and going, no, can't do that. They're also looking at the Democrats' policies and going, that's the stuff we just fled. Why the hell would I vote for you? And still, they're going, no, no, no open borders. And you go, grandma came here legally. My mom came here legally. My dad came here legally. They think that somehow this is going to pander and work because A, it's worked before with the black vote. They get 90% of it. And B, they got nothing else. They got nothing else to offer Hispanics. They think that it's just, well, somebody looks like you. We're here for getting more of people who look like you into the country. And most Hispanics look at that and go, I don't care about that. That's, I want laws. I came here. My family came here for laws. So now the Biden administration is going, hmm, maybe we should look at this. What's interesting is nowhere in this story does it say that Joe Biden is involved in this discussion whatsoever. What do you want to bet the odds are that Joe Biden has absolutely no clue whatsoever what Title 42 is? They're not even pretending the president of the United States Entitle only is in charge anymore. I want to shift gears because now on the time is the time on sprockets when uh, I can irritate people. I guess there's a story. There's a I'm scrolling through Twitter this morning and I see a dead elephant sitting there at giant tusks, and there's two d bags sitting there going, "Oh, let's uh, get our picture taken with this elephant that we killed." And the headline from the Daily... Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of animals. In most cases, I like animals more than people. I really despise animal cruelty. Cruelty to other... People can understand cruelty. Animals can't understand cruelty. So I have a huge problem with animal cruelty. Uh, the UK Daily Mail. A professional trophy hunter shot and killed the largest tusker elephant in Botswana after paying $50,000 to join a hunt. Botswanan hunter Leon Kachenhofer, K-A-C-H-E-L-F-H-O-F-F-E-R, claimed he killed the big tusker, which was carrying 200 pounds of ivory on the country's northern border with Namibia. The elephant was in its early 50s and killed with a single shot, a hunting industry spokesman confirmed. Now, I understand the argument that uh, hunting helps the pop control the population. Well, we have a shortness of elephants, right? Oh, no, it's great for the population. Maybe it is. I, what I don't understand is the urge to do it. The urge to do it. Kackenhofer posted a Facebook story describing his controversial conquest and appeared on a podcast to explain the hunt. What conquest? I bet you a thousand bucks the elephant was sitting there minding its own business and some jackass from a football field away put a bullet in its head or its heart. Is that really? Oh, yes, I am a real man. I can shoot something from far. You want to impress me, dude? Go after the elephant barehanded. Take it on mano e elefanto, or just with a knife, okay? Give the elephant a chance to know what's going on rather than, you know, your Kennedy in the backseat of the limo and suddenly your head explodes. Give him a fighting chance. You're not a hero. You're some sort of, I don't know. I get, I get hunting for food. I get hunting for food. 
but you're kind of a sociopath if you're sitting there. In my mind, if you're sitting there and you go, I see this beautiful, majestic creature on the other side of the planet, and I must kill it. How much of my money do I have to spend so that I might kill something so wonderful and beautiful? I just, I don't, I don't understand that. I'm hungry, I want to, or I want to feed my family, or I get it. But unless they're eating elephant steaks. Let's see. He, he told Blood Origins host Robbie Kroger that he did not expect a controversy to arise. Yeah, I just, I just shot an endangered species so I could have my picture taken with its dead body. What, what, who would have thought that would be controversial, huh? Who do you hang out with? Hunt the most dangerous game, mankind. Uh, Kagenhofer said that, quote, that wasn't one of the things I was thinking about. He added, quote, to be in a position to hunt a bull like that is an incredible privilege. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, what, is the elephant hard to find? It's only the biggest land mammal on the face of the earth. I think you could probably find it pretty easily. It's up there in age. It's going about its business. It eats, sleeps, goes to the bathroom. All of those things. Once you get where the elephant is, which I suspect was already known, they're probably driven out to, look, the elephant's somewhere around here, guys, so get ready to kill it. Is it really tracking it down? When you take a bull like that, there's a lot of remorse. There's a lot of sadness. You think about the great life that this elephant has led. Okay, then why'd you kill it? (laughs) I have a lot of respect for my friend here. Now I'm going to shoot him in the head. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. He's my best friend in the whole wide world. I'm going to shoot him in the head. Let me tell you how much I respect him. You know, there's more to it than shooting a bull, taking a photograph, and becoming a hero, and all this other nonsense. Wow, somebody really thinks a lot of themselves. There are going to be a lot of, uh, what's this jackass's name? Leon Kackelhofer uh, posters on kids' walls around the globe now. I'm not sure in what circles he rolls, but I don't really think that's the case. The hunt was slammed by ex-president Ian Kama, who outlawed trophy hunting in Botswana before his successor, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that, reintroduced the practice in 2019. He posted on Facebook next to an image of the slain elephant, quote, this was one of the largest, if not the largest, tusker in the country. An elephant that tour operators constantly tried to show tourists as an iconic attraction. Now it is dead. Yeah, congratulations. Again, is your wife turned on by this? I couldn't help but notice the way you you bravely shot a creature that had no idea you were there or trying to kill it. Come on, let's get to bed for the... the, Leave the lights on this time, it'll be awesome. How does it being dead benefit our declining tourism industry, people asked. Botswana still has 130,000 elephants, but only a small minority are the world-famous big tuskers, like the one hunted by Kackenhofer. A second elephant weighing 90 pounds was also killed during a recent hunt. Isn't that nice? Isn't that lovely? (laughs) I swear to God. If you want to go out, if you're, like, need to eat elephant meat then go do what you got to do. But I don't understand those people who sitting in their recliner, they clearly, if you got 50 grand to drop on this, you're doing pretty well in life. 
If you got 50 grand to drop on this, you're doing okay. You're sitting there in your leather plush recliner drinking your uh, really, really expensive scotch, and you go, hey, there's a... There's a commercial for Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. I know that hasn't been on in a while, but you get the idea. Oh, my goodness. There it is. Animals do the funniest things. And there's a there's a tiger, a beautiful tiger, graceful, majestic. Oh, I wonder, I wonder if they're as soft as they look. Tell you what I'd really like to do. I'd like to kill one of those things so I can put its head on the wall and show that I am way more man than that tiger is well first of all it's a tiger first of all it's an elephant whatever it is you're already more man than it is but do you have humanity do you have decency maybe i'm being controversial you're welcome to send me all the emails and whatever you want telling me i'm wrong here but there is a difference between hunting for meat and hunting for and a guy kind of says it the thrill of the kill what kind of thrill do you get? He's even like, oh, it's a shame. It's a, what a life to have snuffed out. Like, is that, that's like what I, I'd imagine a serial killer would say. Don't you? Don't you? I'm becoming a hero for killing an elephant that was elderly and minding its own business. Wow. You're great. <laughs> Congratulations. You're, uh, you're a hero. So, yeah, I, I look at this and I really believe that somebody like this is sociopathic. That's just me. You know, drop 50 grand to go and travel the other side of the planet to kill an animal. I can think, and I don't, I think anybody can think, uh, I think a crack addict could think of 50, a better use of $50,000. I'm going to shift gears to, uh, to Florida real quick because Ron DeSantis is continuing to tick off all the right people, all the right people, and that's a good thing. Disney. Remember Disney a couple weeks ago? Well, we're going to have this big all-hands video chat. We're going to let the gay employees know that we're going to be inserting gayness into kids' cartoons. And they have been, and they will continue to it. And we're going to fight this parental rights bill in Florida as best we can. And that's where I think they got into... Well, they're going to get into trouble for all of it, but... um, The real problem is that that bill, that piece of legislation, is wildly popular even amongst Democrats. They don't want sickos that are routinely exposed by the libs of TikTok Twitter account to be teaching their kids. You shouldn't want anybody teaching your kids who says, uh, well, my kids, I teach my kids what I... No, they're not your kids, all right? I'm going to need to see a DNA scan and some, some child support before we even entertain the idea, and then we're still not going to. But... They have this bizarre world where they are all victims. And for some reason, a marginalized community. Margin- I don't understand how gay is marginalized anymore when you have all the cultural power. You can get people outed. You can get the Washington Post to go out and attack some real estate agent with a Twitter account and get her to the point that she has to flee her own home because the left-wing mob would kill her if they got the chance or at least harass her. And somehow you're marginalized. I don't really think you're marginalized. If you're fired, not because you're gay, but because you can't stop talking about it and your sex life and your own perverted views of gender, you can't stop talking about it to children 
I don't really think you're marginalized. All right? I just don't see it that way. And so Disney was saying they're going to do everything they can to overturn this law. But then they haven't really done anything. They've been kind of quiet. It's weird because they realize that they're actually looking into the face of a very small minority of the population. Whereas the vast majority of the population goes, this sounds absolutely reasonable. I don't see what you're ticked about, Walt. So now the Wall Street Journal has this story. Florida Republican Governor Ron DeSantis escalated his battle with Walt Disney Company on Tuesday, asking the state lawmakers to consider ending the special tax district that has allowed the company to govern the land on which its theme park sits. They've essentially granted, because it is such a job provider, because it is such a tourist attraction, because it draws people to the state, they've essentially ceded a giant chunk of the state of Florida to the Disney Corporation, where they, it's kind of like an Indian reservation. It's weird, not many companies get this sort of special treatment anywhere in the country, but this has been this way for Disney for a long time. You get to govern you. Now that that part that gets to govern itself wants to govern the rest of the state, well, I think turnabout is fair play, don't you? Florida lawmakers could take up the bill that ends the district this week. Losing the special district would allow uh, would be a blow to Disney's operations in Florida. The provision exempts the company from a host of regulations and saves it tens of millions of dollars every year, according to a person familiar with the company's finances who studied the issue over a decade ago. Now, isn't that interesting? These left-wing corporations, woke, we must support Democrats. We have to raise taxes on middle-class Americans. Well, they want to raise taxes on middle-class Americans, and they want to raise ticket prices on middle-class Americans. They're happy to suck all the money possible out of your wallet. They're happy to treat your money in your pocket like Hunter treats cocaine spilled on a hooker's breast. They're ready to hoover all of that up. Just in a heartbeat. They want it, baby. They want it. They'll even take a a 20 and rub it against their teeth really fast. So stupid. But if you want to play games, if you want to start grousing and demanding the way the rest of the state be governed and having a say in that, fine. Then the rest of the state, you have to be treated like the rest of the state, like every other entity in the state. It's brilliant because what is Walt Disney going to do? They're built there. I'm going to pick up my ball and go home. Good luck picking up the Epcot Center ball and take it home. What are you going to do? They can't go anywhere. Disney realizes that they're kind of stuck down there because they have this gigantic infrastructure. They could build another one and eventually shut it down. It'll probably only take 5 to 10 to maybe 20 years to do that. But otherwise, and they'd also have to find a way to suck up to another state the way they did to Florida all those years ago to get that special kind of tax treatment and exemption and autonomy inside the state, which they likely wouldn't be able to do. Right now, even though it's a left-wing corporation, left-wingers still hate corporations. They take their money, they hammer their checks, they do do their bidding on certain things, but in general, they're not big fans of capitalism and corporations for all their left-wing activists. It's really just they keep funding the left so they'll leave them alone. Go protest. Here's, here's $10 million. Go bitch about somebody else. Go protest somebody else. Go, gr- go ahead, pick it over. Not us. Leave us alone. We just gave you $10 million. 
works 95% of the time, and then 5% of the time they do something that's wildly stupid in the eyes of the radical left, and they still get protested. For a long time, you didn't probably realize this, for a long time in the 90s and the 80s and maybe the early 2000s, the, one of the biggest funders of the environmentalist lunatic movement was the oil industry, the oil and gas industry. They thought they could buy them off. They thought they could buy them off, and it worked until the oil and get until something happened, until an accident happened. Then the leftist mob came down. Oh, this is an outrage, and shut down this, and do that, and do the other thing. And you're sitting there going, "We paid you." And you go, "Of course, it's the it's the scorpion and the frog." Then eventually, the scorpion's going to sting the frog and kill the frog, even if it means that they both go down in the river, because that's what scorpions do. Except the leftists never go down in the river. They just, and the, the frog never dies either. They're usually too big, but they end up having to pay more. We give you a million dollars a year. Oh, no, we had an accidental oil spill. Oh, you're evil. All right, uh, we'll give you $3 million. All right, well, you're not that evil anymore. Okay. Everything is a racket. And now that Disney is facing the music, Disney is looking down the barrel of not getting their, I don't think, by the way, and I could be wrong. I hope I am. But I'm so infrequently wrong uh, that I don't think that Florida will actually go through with this. I, I, I think this is a, a nice cage rattle. I think this is a nice psych punch, you know, like, hey, we could do this. We could do this pretty easily. So how about you just shut the hell up? And, you know, Disney has kind of shut the hell up. Kind of a beautiful thing. And leftists are out there going, oh, you're using the power of government to harass a uh, but, well, it's, yeah, private company. Okay, well, that private company is exempt from state law. Should that private company be exempt from state law? Right now, the left will say, oh, yeah, sure. Uh, they're they're doing good for the state. It's only because they are on the right side, publicly at least, of the gay issue down in Florida. That's it. Ask them about their human rights record in China. Ask Disney or these leftists what Disney is going to do about the uh, Uyghurs in China. No, no, they're too busy editing their movies to make them socially acceptable for release in China to worry about a little thing like genocide. I keep catching the corner of my eye the TV, and it's on one of the news channels. doesn't matter which one. They're all the same. And I, I always see these clips. Now, the, the, here's Johnny Depp. Here's Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. And here's the And they go for long stretches like they're carrying it. I don't know, maybe they're carrying it live. Or maybe I'm just, you know, only paying attention to when they happen to be talking about it. But the trial is going on over in Virginia. I don't, I'm surprised. I haven't seen any reports that people are like clamoring outside and being obnoxious because they're both there. You got like a hundred million dollar lawsuit versus an $80 million lawsuit for defamation against, but they're both, they deserve each other. I think the ultimate result should be that they have to get back together if only to stop themselves from inflicting themselves on other people. But I've I've watched, I've, I've caught clips of it on social media. Johnny Depp, I don't know what the hell happened to him. Something has happened to him. He is, I mean, he's done a lot of drugs, he's done a lot of drinking, and, you know, that'll ruin you long-term, take a toll, but... For the love of God, he's sitting there mumbling everything he's doing. 
I'm Johnny Depp, and I never, never, never would I hit a woman. Never would I do. And like, are you still doing your Tonto character, dude? Because you're you're not Native American. I never hit a woman. My people have a proud history of of not hitting women. You're from Kentucky, so uh, you shouldn't sound like you're Cherokee. Well, I'll tell you, I uh, when I was on Twenty One Jump Street, I never once would hit a woman. I had plenty of opportunities to hit women, and I didn't do it. So I wouldn't have done such a thing this time. You're just sitting there going, these people deserve... I don't know, I don't know who's to blame. Who's to, I haven't followed it closely enough. I know that uh, there is keen interest in this trial on social media because I see it. And it's weird. I only see women interested in it. I only see women interested in it. But the women I see who are interested in it, which is a small percentage of, of the women on... I follow on social media, but the women that I are interested in it or that I see retweeted usually by other women that I follow are extremely interested in this. Extremely, extremely interested in this to the point that there are some who Amber Heard is a monster, perhaps history's greatest. And uh, she is a she's a liar. She's a fraud. She's a terrible human being. And she's trying to ruin Johnny Depp's career and life and everything and everything and everything and everything. And then there's the other side. That is. Johnny Depp is to blame all blame all men do this, that. And the other. I don't know. Again, I, I'm not taking a side here. I just find it fascinating that. The so few people are interested, yet the media is covering it nonstop. But I guess that's an indication that maybe it's a slow news day. Can be, but once you sort of pot commit yourself to a trial, you can't go well unless there's a major development. We got other stuff to talk about today. So the hell with the trial. We've just been spending three days telling you is the most important thing going on in the world. You kind of shove all your chips in the middle, barring tragedy, and uh, you go with it no matter what. But the people who care, wildly care, and I'll never understand why it is, So, except for celebrity. Celebrity is the only reason people care. You have to look at this and you have to think, watching Johnny Depp, watching Amber Heard, hearing some of the details, granted not many of them, but some of the details, you have to kind of come away with the conclusion that there, there has to be some kind of, maybe we need... Forget term limits for politicians, although that would be a great idea. I think we need to focus on term limits for celebrity. Because it is abundantly clear that being a celebrity for an extended period of time perverts your mind more so than drug use does. Drug use, bad drug use, pervert the mind, and drug use and celebrity oftentimes go hand in hand. But the idea that you have can live in a world where nobody tells you no, where everybody's throwing themselves at you, where like, hey, you've got you can't walk through any place without somebody basically offering to have sex with you. It's men and women, famous men and women. It pollutes more men than women, but uh, they're both equally polluted. And they live in this very bizarre world where you and I don't exist, where you and I wouldn't want to exist, if you're not in this, and both of these people have been famous since they're young, if you entered into wild, uncontrollable, bizarre, 
over-the-top worldwide fame in your 30s or 40s or 50s, you'd probably handle it a hell of a lot better than you would. You also wouldn't be famous, really, really famous, that famous for the rest of your life. It'd be a very short period of time. You see it all the time where somebody gets uh, one random hit song like oh my god i'm 35 years old i never thought i'd have a hit song like yeah well you did you won't again so enjoy it it's over music industry is for 12 year old girls or somebody has a role in a movie where like oh my god i can't believe it i'm at 45 i'm nominated for an oscar you know we're we're never going to hear from you again we're going to maybe we'll see you for the next couple of years this will get you a couple more gigs and then you'll you'll fade back into obscurity okay that's just the way it is and you're probably much better off for it they handle the little bit of celebrity that they get but if you are 18 years old or younger or really probably up to like 23 years old 24 maybe 25 and you become wildly famous you're you're never going to remember a world where somebody's telling you no. You're never going to have a, a functioned in a world where you couldn't go somewhere, you couldn't do something. Talk about I talk about the perversion of like a Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk or whatever, and having more money than God, and you walk into a place and you, no matter where you are, no matter what you walk into, there's literally nothing you can't buy, nothing you can't buy. And that has to pervert your worldview in ways that the rest of us will never understand. Never. You know, like, that waiter was rude to me. I'm going to buy this restaurant and fire him. Or I'm going to buy this restaurant and close it. I can buy this restaurant for $300,000. I think I have that in my, my shoe. I'm going to buy this restaurant and fire that guy. And then I'm going to close the restaurant because it's only $300,000. And by the time I get back to my helicopter... I will have uh, gained $400,000 in net worth anyway. That sort of worldview. It's that kind of perversion when you're famous your entire life and you watch this Johnny Depp, Amber Heard trial and you watch them talk and you watch him testify. And uh, I don't know if she's testified yet or not, but I can just tell by looking at her. They are both performing. They are both performing for the jury and more importantly, for the cameras. This lawsuit is, it'll go on forever. If one of them wins, and I doubt either one of them will win just because these sorts of things never end up with a definitive winner. But if either one of them wins, they're never going to get the money. Amber Heard doesn't have $100 million to pay Johnny Depp if she loses. Johnny Depp doesn't have $80 million to pay her if she loses because uh, there was a report a few years ago where he's basically... He's cash poor. He's put everything in real estate and he's just sort of wasted money on extravagant things and just a disaster financially. So this isn't going to go anywhere. It's going to be tied up in litigation forever and ever and ever. This is a PR war. She gets currency in Hollywood by being the victim and he needs to deny that currency because he gets destroyed if he's seen as a, an spousal abuser. It's an absolute mess. This is a public arm wrestling of something that probably never should have come to be. I, I just look at it and I think both of these people, this is an end result of lives lived where the vast majority of their time spent on this earth has been in a world where nobody, absolutely nobody can tell them no, or at least nobody will tell them no. So maybe we need term limits on celebrity.
have you seen this? <laughs> it's one of these times where you're sitting there and you're going, man, why does this have to be an audio-only medium? And if you go to uh, social media, you'll find this. The New York Times has a new editor. <laughs> the picture's worth a the picture's worth a thousand words. Uh, the editor's name, let me try and find the Intelligentsia, the New Yorker magazine, has a profile on him. Is uh, where the hell is his name? They got a new executive editor at the Times, and he has some pictures in there, and you're sitting there going, "What the hell, Joe Kahn, K A H N." And so you know, you get that position at the New York Times. That's a big, big deal. So you you want to get some publicity for the paper because the paper circulation is in the toilet and the credibility is gone and everything. So he's up there, and <laughs> they sent a photographer around to take pictures. They took pictures from his house. They took pictures from uh, you know from his childhood or whatever. They've got all these pictures, and one of them is a photo by somebody called Chris Buck. He's sitting on an area rug on a really nice hardwood floor in a really nice, like, mahogany room. Somebody's got some money, because you can just tell by the furniture and the rug and the wall and just a little bit that you can see that this abode is wildly expensive. But he's sitting there on the floor... In front of two chairs. I don't know why he's sitting on the floor in front of two chairs with a cup of coffee with a a Japanese character or whatever writing on the coffee mug. Why he's sitting on the floor instead of the chairs, we don't know. But he's got the paper opened up on the floor. And he's leaning back. He's in his, his smart slacks. Nice crease in the slack. White shirt buttoned up all the way in a black tie gray slacks i should say and he's leaning back in a very come hither kind of way and you're like what in the hell this is like george costanza in the uh, the picture where he's trying to flirt with the chick who works at the one hour photo development place he thinks that she'd slipped in some sort of sexy photograph and she didn't it was somebody else they'd mixed up the pictures but he slipped in. So he decides to go and pose for like tasteful semi nudes. You know, the picture where he's draped across a, a fainting couch or whatever, an ottoman, not an ottoman, but a, a couch, whatever, in his boxer shorts, trying to look all sexy. And he slips that in there to show her what's going on and what she's missing or whatever. That's what this guy is like. That's what this guy looks like. That's what this picture is. And you're sitting there going, what in the hell? Who? How can a news? How can a guy whose editorial decisions run the nation's leading, quote unquote, leading newspaper? If your news judgment determines what all the liberal media talks about in the course of a day, and this is your judgment, how in the hell can you keep that job? How do you do How do you let anybody do All right, now lean back. Now look a little bit to the left. Try to look sexy. Make the paper look sexy. He's not even touching the paper. He's not even touching the paper. Like, what in the hell is wrong with these people? These are the thought makers. These are the taste shapers and all that garbage. And you're just sitting there going, my God, what the hell? 
Uh, speaking of my God, what the hell? <clears throat> this is, um, it's one of those stories where you sit there and you go, okay, well, it has to be a Red Bull. Yes, it is Red Bull. Because I remember, I can't, Felix, Felix Baumgartner, is that the guy's name? The guy who jumped from the outer reaches of the atmosphere, who skydove. And I think he passed out for most of it, but he ended up waking up and pulling the parachute and everything. And that was a Red Bull stunt. And you see every once in a while there are these events where it's like a Red Bull stunt. And uh, you go, oh, that's really interesting. These people are insane. I'm not really sure anybody ever needed to do that. But, you know, somebody did it. That's fine. Now we got another one of those from Red Bull, ABC News. All eyes will be up in the skies above California on Sunday as two cousins dare to accomplish a never-before-seen air stunt. Now, there's a reason it was never-before-seen. It's wildly stupid. But Luke Aikens and Andy Farrington, longtime pilots, skydivers, and members of the Red Bull Air Force aviation crew, will attempt the first plane swap, where they will fly their planes close together, put them into a nosedive, and then skydive into each other's aircraft before making a safe landing. Aikens said in a statement, he was inspired to do the stunt 22 years after seeing a photo of an aviation mag from an aviation magazine and has spent a long time preparing for this moment. Quote, it's the pinnacle of my career. What? I would suggest that you might want to think of a new career. It's the pinnacle of my career, and my goal is to inspire the world and show that anything is possible. Any... Do complicated math. That'll show that anything is possible. You can set your mind to something that at times seems wild, crazy, and unattainable, but through ambition and creativity, you can make it happen, he said. <laughs> the stunt that will be live-streamed on Hulu on Sunday at 7 p.m., so if you're a Hulu subscriber and you want to watch people, this, yeah, there you go, Sunday at 7 Eastern includes multiple parts that have been planned out between Aikens and Farrington and their team of engineers. The pair will take off in their own Cessna 182 single seat aircrafts and fly to an elevation of 14,000 feet. They will then pitch their planes into a synchronized nose dive, stop the engines, and use a custom air brake that will hold the planes in a controlled descent as they exit their own aircraft just sounds dumber the more you read about it. Aikens and Farrington will free fly skydive towards each other's planes, catch up to the aircrafts, enter the cockpits, disengage the air brake systems, restart the engines, and take control of the planes. Both pilots are no strangers to air daredevil acts. Aikens set the world record in 2016 by free falling from an altitude of 25,000 feet without a parachute. He landed in a giant net. So the guy's insane. Parrington has recorded over 27,000 jumps, including 100 with Aikens, 1,000 base jumps, and 6,000 hours as a pilot, according to Red Bull. Now, I wonder, I think, I think that uh, free fly skydive means they won't have any parachutes. I think that's what it means. So I suspect... That's about the only thing that would be really interesting. No, that's horrible to say. It's horrible. That's the only thing that would get me to tune in, except I don't have a subscription to Hulu. And I'm not going to get a subscription to Hulu to watch two nutjob cousins attempt to kill themselves. But I suspect that means that they've been 
testing this, jumping from one plane to another quite a bit with parachutes. So uh, good luck. Godspeed. Get help. Good Lord. <laughs> what the I want people to know that anything is possible. Well, all right. If I ever find myself in a free-falling plane, I will now know that I could jump to another free-falling plane. That information will, much like everything I learned in college, will never come in handy. Congratulations. Anyway, anyway, we're out of time for today. I appreciate you listening to the UC years. Have a glorious, glorious day and be back here tomorrow. Thank you for listening. <laughs>